Kia ora. I'm Strawn from Commoners Communion. I'm a writer and a musician from Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is a prayer from Prayer Volume 2. Where there is numbness, may there be awakening. Where there is emptiness, may there be a divine infilling. Where there is sorrow, may there be newness. Where there is loneliness, may there be your presence. Resurrecting God, act on our behalf in Jesus' name. I wonder if we live in a world that doesn't really know what to do with suffering. Because of that, we try to control or extinguish it, but it keeps on coming. In our times, we have a really beautiful focus on things like mental well-being and mental health, physical health, relational health, self-care. We have these ideals for career and for body image and even for spirituality and theology and all of that is amazing. But sometimes I feel like we forget to say that all of these things are things we work on but they're never things we fully achieve in this lifetime. And looking back over sort of 400 years of the Enlightenment, it feels like the whole human project at the moment is all about removing suffering altogether. And, and I, for me, I feel like when I think about work-life balance or a balance in mental health or social life or whatever, balance to me is just another word for perfection. I don't know if it really exists. I know that we can kind of get it a little bit more right than last time or so on and so forth. But ultimately saying I need to have perfect balance is no different to saying I need to be perfect. And this whole project of enlightenment I feel is based on the assumption that we can reach perfection. That if we just try hard enough we can remove these elements of suffering that have restricted humanity for so long. But I'm not totally sure that that's true and I don't get the impression reading the Gospels that that's what Jesus believed either. We think of healing in terms of suffering ends and healing begins. There is a clear line between the moment where things were difficult, a radical change, and now the new place we find ourselves in where we no longer feel that suffering that we did before. This could work itself out as in, I feel ashamed and then God speaks and I no longer feel any shame whatsoever and I'm healed. Or it could be, I have something broken and Jesus heals it and now it's fixed and there's this clear delineation between the two. But healing and suffering, or another way of putting it, death and resurrection, 
tend to happen simultaneous in this kind of cyclone of mess that is very theologically confusing and experientially disorienting. But this is how creation works. You think about a sunrise. As the sun rises over the horizon, there's no clear end of night and beginning of day. It takes some time, and depending on the weather, it can take longer than other times. And so we say the sun rose, but what we mean is it was this process of light breaking into darkness over a period of 30, 40 minutes to an hour. And there's this moment where it's a little bit light and it's a little bit dark. Sometimes God's kingdom and healing and revelation and resurrection happen the same way as that. It's also true of changing of seasons. Winter just doesn't end one night and you wake up and it's summer. We have these intermediary spaces of autumn and spring. But even more than that, just because we say winter begins on this day doesn't mean that it does. Sometimes a season overhangs a little bit. Uh, Maybe it's colder for an extra month or two. Maybe flowers sprout a little earlier than they're meant to. We don't look at seasons as these static mathematical equations in our calendar we all recognize that seasons can move and change and that sometimes when winter begins it takes a while for it to come resurrection happens amidst death not only in spite of it when jesus rose from the grave he rose back into a world that has been continually dying for two thousand years and yet jesus kingdom has been expanding in that time and in my life This is something that I've really come to learn. Part of the reason it's been such a long time since the last podcast is because I've been through another round of very, very poor health. I spent, again, a number of months incapacitated. For one of those months, I literally just sat in a chair 15 hours a day, could hardly even speak to anybody, not even my own wife and kids. And during that time, I was confronted again with a death that I thought I'd already died and been resurrected from. And I found myself praying this prayer With renewed energy. God, fill my numbness with your presence. Because I knew that my body was numb because of the health situation it was in, and my spirit wanted to follow suit. But instead, I needed God's presence to fill that numbness. See, God hasn't always removed my suffering, but God has always taken up the invitation to fill me amidst it. And sometimes that feels like a lot of pain and a lot of glory all at the same time. teaches us about suffering because this prayer is about God filling us in the spaces of our suffering and yet suffering is still something I feel we largely don't know what to do with number one Jesus himself embraced it Isaiah 53 calls Jesus the man of sorrows he was accustomed with grief considered stricken and smitten by God We hid our faces from him. He was pierced for our 
transgressions, crushed for our, our iniquities. Jesus knew very well what it was like to suffer. The living God suffered and yet didn't sin. And so he was able to be in communion with God, unafraid of the struggles of life. And we forget sometimes that Jesus even chose this form of suffering, that he willingly every day chose to be incarnated in our world and to face the consequences of rejection by the very people that he loved. Nowhere in Jesus' teaching does he exemplify suffering avoidance, but he continually moves toward it, showing us that the most perfect manifestation of love also offers the most magnificent embracing of suffering. Suffering was not a mistake to Jesus' ministry. He embraced it. Second, Jesus blesses suffering. Now hear me right here in my language. I want to be careful. I'm not saying that God wants anybody to suffer or that God causes suffering. But what I do mean is that Jesus still blesses it. And we find this in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And blessed are you when people insult you. These are all sufferings. And Jesus isn't saying, blessed are you because I will remove those things. He's saying, blessed are you because of those things. In other words, in our suffering comes a very unique and special blessing from God, a special presence that is powerful and gives us the kingdom of heaven. I don't know how to make perfect theological sense of that, but I trust that when Jesus says, when I'm poor in spirit or lonely or depressed or grieving or angry or isolated or I've lost my job or any of those things, that in some mysterious way I am blessed. Jesus embraces suffering. He blesses it. And thirdly, Jesus subverts suffering. The entire story of the Gospels and of the death and resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus soaks up suffering like a sponge and then gives it back to the world in love. The devil used murder and torture to destroy Jesus and Jesus um, inhaled that suffering and gave it back as life. So our suffering is subverted through the joy and wonder of God moving amidst it. Again, another mystery. But somehow God fills our suffering with power. And that very power is the demonstration of our freedom toward the world. I know for me, my own suffering taught me more about love, compassion, sin, Christ, God's presentness, and any other thing than any book that I've ever read. Suffering has formed me for the better. And that's not because suffering in itself is enough, but our response to God in that suffering is what subverts it. In other words, like the prophet said, Do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I sit in darkness. The Lord will be a light to me. Though I am here in my suffering, I turn to God. My suffering only drives me more into him. And then finally, Jesus promised it. The gospel is never about suffering avoidance. 
but about power through endurance. In John 16.33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble and suffering, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Friends, we will suffer, but we'll be blessed in it, we'll be fruitful amidst it, we'll subvert the power of the enemy and demonstrate the strange way of God to the world, and we'll be like Jesus in embracing our suffering as a way of being in unity with those who are not in a world of perfection. We can try as hard as we can in the tools of self-care and meditation and prayer and psychology and all of those things, but we will never reach perfection on this side of glory. And honestly, I think balance is just another name for perfection. Balance to me feels like a pipe dream. Even if I get everything perfect in myself, I'm not sure the world offers it. So, this prayer isn't about replacement, though that would be great and I know and fully believe that God heals and resurrects in miraculous ways too. This prayer is about divine participation with God through every season, even 2021. So I'm going to read this prayer again. And maybe we can pray it in two ways. One, we can pray for God to replace our numbness, emptiness, sorrow and loneliness, and I hope he does. But two, maybe the way that we embrace God doing that is by inviting him into those places, like the sunset or the change of season, realizing that our daily coming to him with this prayer is his invitation in this time. numbness, may there be awakening. Where there is emptiness, may there be a divine infilling. Where there is sorrow, may there be newness. Where there is loneliness, may there be your presence. Resurrecting God, act on our behalf, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this prayer today, you can purchase my book, Prayer Volume 2, from commonerscommunion.com. A huge thank you to my friend Jonathan Class for producing this episode and for providing and composing the music for it. Be blessed, my friends. <laughs>